I read this article. Well, actually, no, I'm lying. I read an Instagram post. Um, <laughs> okay. This is our news nowadays. <laughs> this is our news. <laughs> it is from Fortune magazine, though, so I'm hoping they're credible. But it says you can level up your career by applying to jobs where you meet 50% of the requirements. I had a bunch of people saying, oh, my gosh, there's so many jobs that I don't apply for because I don't feel like I qualify, but this is like empowering me to do so. Has there been a time where you knew you were not qualified, but you're like, I'm going to go for it anyway? Oh my God, I would probably say everything that I've done, right? I remember when I first started to run like billion dollar region and it was unionized and they're like, you have union experience? I'm like, no, but I can figure it out. They hired me. I didn't think they were going to hire me. They hired me and I did a badass job, may I just say, <laughs> got promoted, yes. ended up having like this amazing experience with the organization, with the union and just turned it around. So based on paper, I wasn't qualified, but I had the potential. All I needed was the opportunity. I think that really helped me later on in my career or in anything that I do. When I think I'm not qualified, I'm like, but I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. I've been here this long on this earth. I can figure it out. <laughs> figure out a lot of other things. I'm like already riled up thinking about it. Um, <laughs> welcome to the What Rules podcast. Let me start there. This podcast is all about outsmarting the game to advance your career, including times when people tell you you're not qualified, including the times when you feel like you're not qualified and dealing with some self-doubt. There are ways to get around it. And my co-host for today is Dr. Medadi Simeon. She is an HR executive and motivational speaker. My name is Alisa Manjadis, vision producer and executive coach at the Happy Cactus Club. Our special guest today is Holly Kim, who has a ton of stories for us about this very topic. No pressure, Holly, but why don't you introduce yourself? So thank you, first of all, Alisa, for having me um, on the show. I'm Holly Kim. I'm currently an elected treasurer in Lake County, Illinois. I'm also just a regular nerd all around. I never really thought I'd ever be in politics and yet here I am. So I do like to encourage actually everyday normal regular people to run for office. I basically grew up on the internet. So I believe like all information should be shared. That's how I feel too. There's there's so much controversy in sharing what you learned for free or offering it because this isn't what the podcast is about. But... What rules? What rules? Okay. That's right. (laughs) But it's interesting. There's the people who are unaware of this, the concept of sharing information freely. But then there's also the people who have been burned in the past by it. So it's, it's a delicate road. But I think I totally know some people who I might send your way. If you know the website Reddit, I'm a moderator of a subreddit called Run For It. So then we teach and encourage other Redditors to run for office. That is so cool. When we think about being qualified or being told you're not qualified or not feeling like you are, what's maybe the biggest story that stands out to you? One thing that we have to think about is whether we trust ourselves or not, right? And whether we have that confidence in ourselves. 
A very, very minuscule version of that could be way back when we were like kids and our parents, you know, there were a lot of parent struggles. Let me tell you, you know, me being Asian and growing up with some really strict parents, you know, they'd be like, why are you coming home so late? Blah, blah, blah. And me being that nerd kid who's like the designated driver, the therapist <laughs> friend. I'm like, mom, dad, like, you don't even need to worry about me. Like, I'm the one that has to take care of everybody, right? And so that kind of like exponentially later is like, you know, if people are like, well, you know, she's not qualified to do X, Y, Z. Well, that's their perception with what truth or what knowledge. When I started off in college, my parents didn't actually have any money for me to go. They were first-generation immigrants that came to this country. And so they worked really, really hard, and they worked like seven days a week, but still there was no money for college. You know, they never really told me that either, but I did find out the first semester when, you know, the check didn't go through, and then I had to be pulled from my classes. Oh, no. And I, I, uh, I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me, Mom? You know, like, I, I wouldn't have asked you guys. And I had this, like, sit down with her, because I grew up here right? I sit down with your parents. It's, it's normal here. Not so normal, like in the old country. But I was like, you know, I was like, I think you guys work really hard. Like, let me just take care of my tuition. Like, don't worry about it. Right. So I started working full time. Persevering through that, I must have switched majors like five different times. I actually got pregnant in college as well. And that was a really tough time because um, while you're working and going to school, like, I'm just like, I, I need that degree. I need to keep going, right? Telling Asian parents that you are pregnant while you're going to college is not easy. I mean, and um, I had chosen to keep the baby and they chose then to disown me. It's interesting, you know, now as an elected official, I think some some of that understanding really plays a lot in my in my role with community. I understand people who are on Medicaid. You know, I was on all kids and Medicaid. I was on the WIC program, you know, to help with the formula, the Head Start program, all these programs. To, so just so that I could go to school and get that degree, right? Because I had my eyes on that prize. <laughs> How did you keep going? It wasn't easy, you know, and it was definitely one of those things where, you know, sometimes you get a little discouraged. Like while I was working full time and doing IT support, you know, I changed my major from IT to secondary ed. I remember going into my counselor's office going like, what do I have the most credits in? Like, I know I have a good head on my shoulders. Like, I can learn to do things. I'm working full time right now as we speak. I was like, what do I have the most credits in so I can graduate? And he's like, well, you do have a lot in Spanish. And I was like, sold. Okay, so Spanish <laughs> and Latino studies. I'm, I'm doing it. And so it's funny, like, you know, I'm graduated right now with my degree in Spanish and Latino studies. And when people ask, you know, here I am treasurer, right? They're like, oh, you must be like a CPA. You went into finance. I'm like, well, actually, it was Spanish and Latino studies. <laughs> You're like, and like, I'm Korean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what, though? It's like, it's like the karate kid and that you never knew how like, you know, my tech background, which I used to work through school, right? The Spanish, all this comes together to now like being so useful in the government, modernizing, you know, being able to be out there with the people and communicate with like everybody. Like, it's just like, who knew that wax on, wax off would teach me, you know, karate. It's like, who knew that that would teach you to be such a good public servant, right? So great for, for the people that may be going through the same situation, right? And you hear about that a lot, maybe not what they're going to school, but you hear a lot about women who are choosing not to continue their career, right? And they feel that they don't have a choice. I say choosing lightly, but I've talked to a few women and they're like, well, I, I didn't have a choice, right? And, and I think something critical that you said is 
I had my eye on the prize, right? If you look at yourself like there is no other choice but to do both, you make it happen. And look at you today. I tell you, I have four kids now. I, I know. I was just going to ask <laughs> how many kids you have because I have I have seen your Instagram and you have a full family. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have four kids. Okay. I know this is public, but like, okay, just us here. <laughs> I was like, I totally had my first kid in college. That happens. I was like, I had my second kid on the patch, the third kid on the IED. And honest to God, my fourth kid was the only one where I was like, so should we have a baby? <laughs> oh my goodness. So your kids broke the rules, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're coming. We're coming, Mom, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it runs in the genes. The Vigani was saying with my last kid that, you know, he'll probably come out with the IED in his hand going, I won, I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What rules? Gosh, starting them young. I know, Holly, you're you're like such the poster child for everything that we're about. I mean, we talk a lot about owning your power and knowing what you want and going for it, changing course without hesitation. That's what I heard you say, turning adversity into strengths. And I love that no matter what has come at you, you've been able to wiggle, maneuver, go around, whatever it has been to get to that prize. <laughs> yeah, I never thought I'd be in like politics either. Um, that's an interesting one in that uh, I actually attended, you know, some village board meetings and um, I saw firsthand like how, you know, they would deny certain business licenses. Um, my parents were small business owners in the immigrant community. And um, I saw that they turned down like a liquor license for a convenience store, you know, and they had already done their remodeling and everything in preparation to do this. And then the village turned it down. And during like one of the breaks, I heard one of the trustees when like a restaurant tried to get a permit, they were like, you yeah, know, I don't really know if that's like the right fit for this town or I don't I don't know if I'd eat that kind of food and I turned to my friend and was like I would totally eat that food like this explains so much why there's only Subway and pizza in this town and <laughs> I, I looked at him and said like you know in a brain explosion moment this is a numbers game and if you and I were on that board up there and we just vote yes like we would have everything in this town right like all the food all the fun you know you want go-karts let's have go-karts you know <laughs> Funny enough, go-karts did come to town and I, I was able to vote yes on it. Yes! Because <laughs> I did run for trustee in my town and my entire platform was to be business friendly and vote yes on businesses. I had been like a long time community volunteer. And so I'm just going from like community service to public service, right? I didn't have a party. I just did it with a bunch of moms in town and we were scrappy. And um, they're like, let's just give that gal a chance. I totally got in, voted yes on all the businesses, even yes to the dispensary when it was medicinal only. I'm just thinking of all the lives that you change, right? By allowing all these businesses and even the culture that you brought in. Because all the different businesses and the people that you attracted and gave an opportunity to. I mean, you mm -hmm. change lives. Uh, I remember when my own parents had like a hard time with their small business and they had like a zoning issue. But, you know, English not being their first language, you know, this is a very confusing place to maneuver for business owners. So I very much am very pro uh, small business and mom and pa shops. 
Vote for Holly. <laughs> and don't ever underestimate a few moms scrapping around and making it happen because, yeah, if there's anybody that can do it, oof. That's right. Aside from you not having the support of your parents and not having all the resources, there were also some cultural and social norms that you were accustomed to. I remember you telling me that before you got into the corporate world, you, you wouldn't even look people in the eye out of respect. You know, what's really interesting is like, we have to live in two worlds. I have like, you know, my upbringing, which is very Korean, but like the fact very much so I'm swimming in the waters that is here in America. This has been all I know. I, I was like born here. What's good manners in Korean culture is not looking people in the eye because that's considered like defiance, right? Women need to be like very polite, quiet. But interestingly enough, like as trustee, I remember having these talks with my mom where I was like, oh yeah, these other board members, like they're so mean to me and blah, blah. And she's like, well, you know, maybe if you just let them have their way. And I was like, wait, that's not how this works in politics, right? And then she's like, maybe if you just bake them a cake. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bake them a cake. I'm like, this is how it works. I was like, these are board members. This is politics. They're like cutthroat and they're going to like kill me. I was like, I have to stand my ground and I have to like argue these things, right? Also too, like as a kid, it's like, don't argue, don't talk back, don't rock the boat. And um you're right. Like when I told you that when I worked in the corporate world and had my first review and it's like the good, bad, good sandwich, he's like, yeah, I think you're doing a good job. Like here's some stuff you can work on. And he's like, Holly, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, it's just happening on its own. <laughs> and I was like, but I think it's because like we're looking at each other in the eyes. And like that only happens when I'm, I was being yelled at like as a kid. So like it's just happening on its own. I was like, just keep going, though. Just keep going. And so <laughs> it was interesting. Like these things are just happening on their own. Right. And so I had this like adjustment period. And like so I would tell like, you know, Korean students as well, we have to live in two worlds. You have to understand what's, you know, good manners here, but what isn't going to help you get ahead in the corporate world over here on this side. One quick story when I was on the village board and we give grant money for signs. And so there was a Korean business owner who came in to get, you know, another sign. And usually there's like prices attached in our info packet, but this one didn't have it. So I just asked a question to like our um, building and zoning person. I was like, what are the costs on these and which one? does she prefer of these three designs? And they were like, oh, option C. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, is option C the most expensive one? And from the audience, you know, she was very offended, the business owner. And she's like, no, no, it's not expensive. And I thought, oh, she must, there might be a language barrier. She might not understand what I'm saying. But at the same time, I go, you know what? Whichever sign you want, like, it's fine. I approve it because the, the difference between these three signs is very nominal, right? Probably, even though it's not listed. So I just vote yes to approve this. It was a nail salon owner and my friend, when I ran for mayor, wore the Holly Kim for mayor shirt and went to go get her nails done. And that owner goes, oh, Holly Kim, she's so disrespectful. Koreans, we never talk about money. All, all we're talking about is money. It's a grant. Like, so <laughs> when I told that story to my mom, my mom's like, go over there and bring her a cake. And I'm like, mom, the cakes are not, like... I think I like this cake roll. <laughs> I know. I need to you make know, more Korean friends. <laughs> that was a few years ago, but a part of me goes like, maybe I shouldn't have brought a cake. <laughs> 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 But it's 
like, you know, we are we are going to talk about money because this is a grant, right? So grants are yes. nothing but money. But um, it is definitely, to this day, I continue to straddle those two worlds. And in fact, when I did run for mayor and I received lots of donations from the community, but there was a sizable like, Korean community of business owners who donated to me. There was someone on the village board who said, like, Holly Kim and her Korean money. We all know that campaigns need volunteers and donations. So, you know, saying that was so horrible. And in some ways, in some ways, like, I forget that I'm Korean just because I was born here and I just go about my daily life and I do my work. Um, but it's always statements like that that go, oh, oh, you said that because I'm Korean. That's Korean money. I was like, okay. But I also see how, you know, you would take the same donations and not bat an eyelash, right? So it's a, really a double standard. If you ever run for office and they say things like that, like they're just trying to shame you for no reason. Everyone needs donations and volunteers to run for office. So you shouldn't feel shame to have either. I totally believe that unqualified is like a very sexist line that's used against women all the time. So currently, right now, I am a treasurer in Lake County, Illinois. And when I was running for treasurer, it was my opponent who said that I'm unqualified. It's like, do you know if I am or I'm not? You just pulled a, a one-liner. She's unqualified, right? Meanwhile, you have tons of guys all the time running for office who are completely unqualified. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they just say things like, well, he has fresh ideas, a new perspective. And I was like, okay, well, so I'm just going to use those lines too. I'm going to run on a new perspective and fresh ideas. Like, how is it that, you know, women are always the ones who are told we're unqualified? It's so unfair. Yeah. And by the time, you know, that came around, I was very sure of who I was, right? By then I had gone through college myself. I had lived through being disowned. Like I had faced adversity, even people who want to criticize me for my ethnic background. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I know I am qualified and that I can do this. In fact, um, probably better than the person who's in there right now. Once you know, you know, who you are on the inside, they can't take that away from you. And that's probably like the most powerful thing is once you have that within yourself, like they cannot take that away. And you're right, you know, as you're saying, doctor, that like, you know, you applied for this job that maybe you could only do 50% of, but then you ended up knocking it out of the park, right? So all these jobs out there, we, we actually can do. And I don't know if it's something like inherently within us women that we, we self-doubt. We self-doubt all the time. And um, it's not true. You know, that little voice has to like go away. <laughs> the thing is like, it really doesn't, right? Because it, it really does go back to, do you believe in yourself and you can make it happen? And when you start thinking about just the experiences that you had, it's like, if I was able to figure that out, I can, I can figure this out. You survive all these things. And I think sometimes people forget that their past and their experiences, especially those painful ones, is because they were resilient and they were able to figure out. They became resourceful. They became strategists. You know, they became executors. They picked up all these capabilities that the corporate world may call them fancy words, but the reality is that when you bring in those capabilities, you can make it happen. I may have not known the fancy word of it, but I was strategizing, making moves, executing, creating opportunities way before it was a cool word. It's kind of like what we've talked about in the past where you 
are collecting evidence of all your past achievements. And so for you, Holly, what I heard you saying is, okay, I've gone through this. I've gone through that. I've overcome this. That's all the evidence that you collected that make up your story. And when you own your story, no one else can take it away from you, no matter what they say. That's right. You've done such a beautiful job at collecting that evidence and using it to propel you forward. And at the end of the day, it's like, why not? The worst thing that can happen is you don't get it and you don't have it right now anyway. So why not? That's a message I give to a lot of uh, people who are considering running for office when we do our workshops. I go, you know, I think we need more everyday regular people in these positions. Those who understand the struggle, those who maybe, you know, had to miss a meal or so they could feed their kids and things like that, because that makes you more human than some of the people who just want are power hungry and maybe in office already. Actually, from many of these trainings that I've thrown, like several of these people have gotten into local office. So I'm very happy about that. That's awesome. Congratulations to them and to you. Thank you. Okay, let's just say that one of our listeners is thinking, you know, what? I've never considered running for office because I didn't think I was qualified. But now I'm looking at my evidence and I've lived my life and I think I could do this. What advice would you give? Just do it. I think the biggest question mark for a lot of people is I don't even know how, right? Sometimes when I say, hey, you'd be great if you ran for office. Like I see you totally around town all the time. You're very involved. And they're like, oh, no, like, you know, I'm not qualified to do that. And it's like their immediate answer. And I'm like, but why, though? Do you think the people Mm. who are in office are? (laughs) <laughs> They're just regular people like you as well, right? Which is why even um, when I was on the board and there was this one guy who was very young, got on the board. I think he was like 23 years old. And um, two months in, he got a DUI. And like, it's bad. <laughs> oh, no. But he's going through like the court of law and all the process. You know, of course, it ends up on the newspaper. But then like everyone on the board took time to like admonish him. And I was like, wait, why are we doing this? Why are we doing like a circular admonishment? He's already going through the court system, right? And he's got to pay like $10,000 and he's like being punished. We can't expect that our elected officials are different from everyday regular humans that are in there, right? They're just humans who are going to mess up, who are going to do awesome. You know, they have the ups and downs. But also I want to point out, I did say during that time, that's why we can't have like just our public life, which is like the fake life, right? And then not live (laughs) a real life. I mean, there's tons of elected officials like that out there. And then you, you catch them in scandal all the time, or it turns out they have a mistress. Like, It's better if just regular people are elected in there. Yeah, one of the guys I met at the networking event I went to yesterday sent me his like a link to all of his social media. And I said, oh, I'll follow you on Instagram. And he said, oh, well, that's not really business-y. And um, we had a whole discussion about it because I said, as long as you are a decent person, it's okay to show who you are to other people. If there's a problem, then there's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's okay that you have a life and that you go out to dinner. There's like nothing non-businessy about that because it's all relational. And at the end of the day, it's all human to human interaction. That's right. People want to know if you are real or you're only showing one side. I think people can see that. That's it's true. Like, I think people are tired of politicians, to be honest. Yeah. Right. I think we well, saw I'm that. tired of it. So I hope it's not just me seeing that. But <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes. Along those lines, like, so I do have my campaign Facebook and my official Facebook for like the office. 
But my Twitter and my Instagram are just no posts from the official office, like just me on life's adventure. And so it'll be pictures of like food or like me with the kids doing something. And I'm like, people want to know that you're like a real and regular person, right? Remember how it was like a thing when politicians would have like a beer in their hand and they're like, <laughs> oh, they're so regular. And it's always dudes, right? Dudes with a beer in their hand, elected dudes. And they'd be like, oh, he's like a regular person like me. That's like all the celebrity gossip magazines. They're like, so-and-so goes to the store and buys milk every day. <laughs> you know? And they're like and terrible they're pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Getting us back on track. We talked about a strategy of collecting evidence and looking back at your life and seeing what you've overcome to see that you have been qualified. I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Madati. What did you hear today from Holly that you think we can get out of this? <laughs> there were two things. Keep your eye on the goal. She had her goal. She wanted to finish school. And while life became chaotic, she handled it and didn't let anything stop her from achieving that goal. Doing nothing was not an option. You might have to change the strategy on how to get to the goal, but don't change the goal. Because she did, right? She was going for one thing and then she changed her school for another. Mm -hmm. But hey, she was going to graduate. They didn't matter for what, but she was going to graduate. And look now, now I could have this whole podcast in Spanish with Holly. So I love this. Yeah, la próxima vez. La próxima vez lo tenemos que hacer. Solamente en español. Sí, en español para todos, todos los que escuchan español. And how many times have we seen, you know, uh, men out there who would be completely completely confident, also completely unqualified, right? And they still put themselves out there. They'll apply for that job. They'll run for that office. And it's like, okay, we don't need 100% of that in us, but if we just had a smidgen more, because we self-doubt, as you said, like we did phenomenally well once we were there and we learn quickly. It was just getting that foot in the door. I think, you know, the greatest thing that we could do is having lived through that, then turn around to other women and be like, you can. You know, I've lived Absolutely. It. It's about getting that opportunity. And I think that is what lacks, right? I think in society today is, or in corporate America everywhere is, people are always looking to see if you have the experience, but they don't look at the potential. And many times what experience means to me may be different to you, but it's still you're using the same capabilities, right? The same skills. They just might look different. But given the opportunity, gosh, every single time knock it out of the park. Every few years, like, don't be afraid to apply to other jobs, right? If you apply in the meantime and someone picks you up for more money, then like, what's the problem, right? And if they don't pick you up, then yeah, I guess you'll be there five years. <laughs> like, but if, but if you can, you know, why not make more money? Why not advance your career? And this is one of those things where it's like, you know, not only check your insurance rates every four years, but apply out there and see what else you can get to advance yourself. Um, I don't know why like we as women are afraid to do that as well, but I see men doing it all the time, right? Just put yourself out there. You could be making way more doing the same exact job you're doing right now. For my vision production services, I say if you're afraid and you're not ready, you're in the right place because those are signals that there is something magical on the other side. None of us said the strategy is to not feel self-doubt or to not feel like you're not qualified. But if those feelings come in, I say take that and turn around and make it into an adrenaline rush to fuel you. I don't know if you guys have experienced that when you do something that you thought you could never do, 
It is the best feeling ever. And you're right, Alisa. It's not that it wasn't hard, not that you didn't go through difficulty, but oh my gosh, to be able to, nobody can take that away from you. What you've mm-hmm. achieved, what you've done, no one could ever take away from you. And, it, and, it's, and it's something that you carry. And to me, it, it gives me strength to say, okay, I remember I had a hard time before and I made it. I can, I can do this again. That's so funny because like on days that are hard ever, like a government service or let's say like, you know, half the day someone yelled at you. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I go, is this or is this not worse than when I was disowned by my parents? I was like... Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'll <laughs> put things in perspective. <laughs> and I think it's just believing in yourself, right? Like you start from the inside out, right? You want to get those degrees. You want to get those recognitions. You want to get that job. You want to get that money. It starts from the inside out. It starts from you believing in yourself and don't let other people determine your future. Any women who are listening to this, you know, that's actually one of the greatest things that you could pass down to your daughters. You know, it, it's a it's a great family heirloom. And actually, if I may have like a proud mom moment, I remember my daughters, you know, hearing about the local BLM protest and we're like, mom, mom, can we go? And I was like, of course I'm going like, you know, but I didn't know you'd be interested in going. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, I made my own sign. I was like, oh, my baby made her own protest sign. <laughs> so cute. I was like, you did it. I was like, you raised strong daughters. I was like. You go, girl. And like, we totally went to that. Uh, we went to the Women's March as well. You know, now she's like writing letters to her elected officials if she disagrees with something. And I was like, I love it. Well, I was like, at least they know like how to do it. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's like a whole other episode. My daughter, you know, I'm raising her that way to have so much confidence. She should run for office for sure. She's just debates everything. And it's like, no, I can do this. I could do it better and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like proud. And at the same time, like, oh, my God. What have I created? <laughs> what have I created? <laughs> She's only seven. Well, you know, the kids are different like nowadays. And I don't doubt, actually, 100% they're going to save us. They're going to save us all. Yes. <laughs> no pressure, kids, right? There's a lot riding on them. They're like, wait a second, they aren't doing anything about like this climate thing that I'm going to have to live in as my future, right? Oh my God, they're not doing anything about, you know, X, Y, Z. And so because of that, it's really like raised them to be resilient as well, right? Breaking the rules, right? They have like this different mindset where it's like, I need to be involved and I need to like stand up for what I believe in, even if that breaks like the rules and the norms. Well, fellow rule breakers listening to this... (laughs) You have no excuse now. (laughs) If you're not asking yourself what rules, that's your homework after this podcast, because you're not fully living if you're not breaking some rules. For more rule-breaking strategies from Holly Kim, we're definitely going to be putting these tips in our next newsletter. Go to colorforward.com. There is a section to sign up for some rule-breaking strategies, get updates on the What Rules podcast, and learn about all the other things that Color Forward has coming up. Want to know how breaking the rules can help you level up your career game? Search What Rules Podcast on any social media platform and join our members-only group on LinkedIn, where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a production of Color Forward. The show is produced by me, Elisa Monjadas, with editing and fabulous sound design by Mathar Delion. 
Visit ColorForward.com for more stories, events, and of course, all the episodes of What Rules. Gosh, I've, I mean, I want to go break some rules now.